Unboxing Fanatics, it's finally here. The brand new Samsung Galaxy S10 with a screen that wraps from edge to edge. At Tesco Mobile, it's yours for the low monthly price of $39.99 with no additional upfront costs. And it comes with a generous 5 gigs of data. So go in store or online now. Tesco Mobile. Every little helps. 36-month credit agreement, 24-month usage agreement with Tesco Mobile Limited. Subject to status phase. Policy applies. See tescomobile.com slash terms. I'm sorry, are you addressing me? Because your authority is not recognized in Fort Kickass. <laughs> Myself, Dr. Bones, and the guitarist, everybody wish they were, Mike Five. Mike, what's happening? Oh, mate, I'm having a lovely time. I'm, you know, I'm, not, I'm still not convinced everyone wishes they were me. I always forget that you're going to say that. <laughs> uh, no, I'm good, man. I'm good. I've had a pretty good couple of weeks. Um, been sort of out and about doing various things. Got a very exciting show tonight. I must warn you and, and our guest, who we'll introduce in a minute, and all the listeners, I think I'm on day seven of giving up smoking. So if I just suddenly snap at someone or like turn into a bear, that's why. Um, but don't send praise because I'll just start again in a month. I always do this. <laughs> that's not a big thing. But yeah, yeah. So, but no, I'm good. You know, that's, that's been an interesting experience. It's a bit like if you go vegetarian for a month and then giving up smoking for a little while. It's a bit like that. And it's um, more stressful. So yeah, I'm good. <laughs> I'm just waffling on now, but I'm all good. Should we introduce our guest? Yes, we should. So without further ado, uh, we've been hyping this for about a week. We kept it quiet for a little bit too, even when we knew. And he is no stranger to the show, and he's put nothing but just like epic quality, and just crazy experimental stuff. And now we're going to get a chance to listen to the newest album, which won't be released for at least a month. This is uh, essentially a listening party. 
Welcome back, Ill Advised. Welcome back to the show, man. Good to be back. Thanks for having me. Oh, man. First off, I just thank you so much for the privilege. I mean, be, between giving us the, the, the world premiere for Wound and, uh, and the star, Starless Truth Divide, man, that, that was awesome. Like, we, we can't thank you enough. And uh, just having you back on the show and giving us a privilege of going this album from start to finish, it, it just, uh, it's just something else. Like, we can't tell you how much we really appreciate this. Oh, well. I really appreciate you guys giving me the opportunity. I mean, uh, I figured, uh, you know, when I pitched this, I was kind of like, they might think I'm totally crazy or kind of taking this a bridge too far. But, um, you know, I kind of felt like you guys were the ones who had, the only ones who had access to any of the music and kind of, I was kind of premiering everything on New Music Saturday just kind of because I knew you guys get it. And I thought, you know, just kind of t- testing the waters because this has just been quite a quite a uh, different process for me this go around. So thank you for for giving me the opportunity, and I'm really excited for you, you and your listeners to hear this album. Right on, man. Well, you know what? As you've been uh, working on this album, uh, for those of you who have Snapchat, he's at Ill Advised, and uh, I've been watching snaps and even sending me these these snaps of just the production of getting stuff done, the mixing and certain problems you've been having with some of your recording uh, 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 um, programs. But it's been fun, too, because uh, the other day, uh, too, actually, uh, funny enough, because we talked about this a little bit off air, uh, Kim said, so uh, how's, how's he doing, with, uh, how's he doing with, uh, with the mixing? Is he almost done? You're going to the album soon? I should hope so. So the last thing I saw said he was balancing, so he's, he's getting there, so he's coming along. But no, 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 no set uh, time frame yet. Yeah, it's um, it's been the first record uh, that I've actually mixed and ma- mixed and mastered it, and uh, that's been really great in a lot of ways. And it also presented its own challenges. One of which was I could uh, kind of Chinese democracy this into the ground. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, so something that was I think the original release date was going to be like November thirteenth, and here we are in March, almost. <laughs> almost april and um yeah so so uh but i think it was worth it um this is kind of the first record where everything is exactly as i want it and uh, i don't feel like i compromised on this record not to say i did on past ones but you know it's kind of it's different when you have control of every single component of a record down you know, all the way through mixing and mastering. So that's part of the reason for the delay and part of it's my perfectionist tendencies. Well, there, there, there's nothing wrong with that. And you no, know, I, I can only imagine it's, it's got to be different. Uh, not just necessarily say you'd have someone breathing down your neck as such, but just kind of saying, well, you know what? Maybe you should take that out. I don't like that. Let's remix it this way. Even though you kind of think is like, you know what? I kind of like the way it's mixed right now. So it's, it's, uh, uh, I, 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 even though, I can kind of get what you're talking about because I've never actually been in that situation. But the same instance too is I, I understand that the inner workings of it and how like most musicians are perfectionists, uh, you know, or just that sort of thing they want to get solid and down. So uh, it's it's really it's really cool. And and then it like I said, we we haven't heard too much of it because uh, um, uh, just didn't got too late, but no big deal because we're gonna listen to it to here. And uh, just before we get to the first song here. Uh, the one thing I talked about on the promo video 
is for those of you listening, even after the fact, you can listen to this to later on, on, on one of the apps, that sort of thing. What we want you to do is it doesn't matter which song it is, but pick a certain song and take a selfie listening to that song and getting your first reaction and then hashtag it, you know, first reaction, uh, no, at ill at ill advice hashtag, hashtag lose you. And, uh, just, 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 just out of curiosity, because I know there's sometimes because Mike and I can see each other when we're reacting a certain way to a song before it's even finished, you know. So that sort of thing. That's what we kind of we kind of want to capture and uh, do that just for fun. But uh, but we're gonna get to the song in just a few more minutes here. But Harry, so uh, this time around, you did it all yourself to a little bit longer. But we'll put it this way: Do you, do you feel comfortable with the final product? Oh, absolutely. Um, you know, the. The particular challenge I faced after the last record, Masochist, there were many, but, you know, I when I put out the first record, I guess I'll go back to Parkway Divides in 2015, the music industry was in a slightly different space. Right. Um, it was kind of the tail end of where CDs and digital downloads were still a sort of thing. And Spotify obviously had existed, but Apple Music just rolled out I think when Summer Nights came out in July 2015, that was when it first actually was released. And then you started to have kind of the shift from iTunes completely to streaming. And not only did that have a financial impact on musicians, but it also had a sort of, I guess, how people approached the record or the album as a concept changed. So my plan from the beginning from before I ever put out a record was kind of the Nine Inch Nails Smashing Pumpkins model where, you know, the third record was a double album. So I had yeah. always always intended it to be this way and the first three albums be connected. So the challenge I had was um, really to, how could I release a double album in 2019 that people would actually listen to? So I came up with this idea to kind of split it into three parts almost as if it were a television series because that's kind of how i view how music has kind of changed it's kind of has that weird netflix sort of format where thing up and then people kind of can go through it as opposed to a sort of you know i I don't know it's it's people want it when they want it and they also don't want to spend a huge amount of time on it so i knew putting out a 24 track double album would you know not only would it be as they say, quote unquote, consumed within two weeks as other musicians like, I hate that word, but right. that's another conversation. <laughs> um, but it was like cheese bag, isn't it? <laughs> I just consumed your album. I really enjoyed it. All right, great. <laughs> <laughs> we could, we could go down that rabbit hole and um, perhaps we will, but um, yeah, that was kind of a big problem. I didn't think people would listen to two hours of music in 2019 just in terms of so the amount and not not only i would have to spend maybe two years working on this before it came out so that was how lucia one two and three a trilogy that actually comprises one single conceptual album uh came about so that's that's part of why it's taken longer because i have to anticipate the other installments of the record so i actually have probably 50 songs written and recorded in different formats like i know this record will be on the third and this will be on the second so it's actually it's a very different um 
very different process than I think most, I don't know any other artist who's kind of attempted something this bizarre. (laughs) (laughs) Well, probably I would imagine because of like, or we don't have the time or whatever reason may be just like, uh, but just on that note, and I'll let uh, Mike ask a few questions here. Um, it's just it's still it's still very interesting, and uh, and you think of it too, uh, when melancholy melancholy and the Infantsanis came out. I mean, same sort of idea. They had a ton more songs that that did not go on either one of those uh, either one of those parts, right? So, and just uh, I, I get the idea of having to kind of write and kind of space it out. But uh, uh, just for that album alone, I know Pumpkins had at least twenty, thirty more songs on top of what they put out. So, uh, and stuff that kind of showed its face, like, here and there, like, when they did, uh, when they did that, uh, um, uh, it was, like, a, like a dual album, kind of greatest hits, and they had the other one called Judiso, you know, so it looked like a ripped CD. Right. So, that, I mean, so I'm just saying, again, I'm just, that's the thing I can relate it to, to kind of give me a better perspective of, of what you're talking about. Yeah, it's, um, it's... You know, you you can either view it. I mean, some people would say making a double album is incredibly pretentious, and uh, other people, you know, it's also incredibly difficult. I think to do it well, and that's been. I mean, I think being self-aware is something that, when you make records, you have to be. You know, especially in my kind of situation where it's just me, right. everything from the writing to playing all the instruments to the recording and now the mixing and mastering. Um, you know, it's very easy to lose perspective and not be objective about things. And I mean, that my goal is always to, you know, if you pull any song from an album, you can listen to it on your own and go, that's a good song. I don't like filler. I don't record. I actually don't have any like B-sides from records because I don't record songs that I don't think are good songs and worth putting out. So, you know, that's another thing. Like, you know, it's, not having any filler uh, kind of is another really like important, I think goal you have to have when you make a double album. Cause I know there are some double albums where you go, well, that's kind of a bloated mess. And in a way splitting it up does make you focus more because you have to go like, Oh, well I, I'm not going to have like a 10 minute like instrumental interlude that right. could be cool, you know, <laughs> but you know, you also have to form it in terms of what, what is the, your creative perspective at this point in, you know, in your career and also in 2019, what, you know, what interests you, what type of, you know, instrumentation are you going to use? How are you going to, what impression are you going to make in an era where people will turn things off after five seconds? So it's been one of those things where you just, you have to be aware of all these factors and, you know, for me, I've never had a producer because it was kind of like you either, you know, one quote I love, I love to quote Trent. He said, you know, when he started, when he did Pretty Hate Machine, it was either, you know, do it yourself or don't do it at all. Right. You know, it was either, and like, it's never been, that's, I think what some people don't get if they're not musicians in this day and age is that there's a lot of stuff that artists don't talk about that is they don't have a choice especially independent artists. And it's why you don't see a lot of them really sticking around for too long, because this is an incredibly difficult time in a lot of ways that 
people aren't too open about. And you're starting to see it a bit more with Spotify and with, you know, the whole fight with Spotify, YouTube, and, you know, the quote unquote suing songwriters. It's kind of this pushback, I think, culturally, you know, if you take the Elizabeth Warren kind of, we're going to break up technology companies, you know, there's a whole, there's a larger, you know, kind of discussion going on. And I think music has always been the canary in the coal mine. I mean, we, the industry was disrupted with, after, you know, 20 years before, you know, we're starting to see the ramifications in other industries. So I, I kind of think, you know, to me, this, this all kind of goes into the process, goes into your songs and to how you approach things. And I mean, that's kind of what I've always found interesting is artists who draw from non directly music related, uh, you know, problems and ideas. Bowie specifically was, was fantastic at really pulling from different aspects of life. Good enough. Good point. So here I'm going to pass the, the, the mic over to Mike for lack of better words. Go ahead, buddy. <laughs> oh, good. So, I mean, it's one, I'm sure I said this last time, I could just listen to you talking there for ages <laughs> about all this stuff. It, it was remind, it, it just certain things you're saying there. It's reminded me of stuff. Like, I remember I, I can't remember where it is. I'll, I'll dig it out. I wrote something once that was about um, this sort of streaming experiment because when we started, uh, which was 2013, I think we released our first EP in 2014. It was kind of there, but it wasn't a thing. And to us, it didn't make any sense. We didn't even, but, I mean, I think last year we put our second EP on Spotify. We haven't even bothered putting the first one on as far as I can remember. We might have done in the end, but I don't think we chose to do it. Um, so it's still not there. So if you've got it, limited edition, well, hey. Uh, but, you know, and it, now it's like uh, we've been writing this album well, and then we wrote the album quite a long time ago. I've been updating that and trying to release it now and finish recording it for what feels like about 41 years. Um, <laughs> and it's kind of like, shit, when I get around to releasing this, I'm going to have to, everything's different very quickly, very suddenly. And it's really interesting. I'm not sure where this is leading to a question, but it's just responding to what you're saying. It's a really interesting kind of question because when I started to look into it, I found out the music industry started out as people selling sheet music. And then someone invented the piano roll, which is basically for anyone that doesn't know a piano that sort of plays itself. And everyone went, oh, my God, the music industry is dead because we can't sell sheet music. And you know what? People went and bought more sheet music because they wanted to learn the tracks that their piano roll was playing for them. <laughs> and this is all like rich high society American dance parties. <laughs> and it just, it, the more you read into it, the more it kind of goes on like that. You know, when radio came out, oh, no one's going to buy music anymore because they're listening to it free on the radio. But what, what do you do? You hear your favorite track, you go and buy it, you go and buy the album. Um, and I think we're in that weird place where no one's quite figured out I'm sure the music industry isn't dead, but no one's quite figured out what's going to happen next now that streaming's arrived and now it's settled, which is really, I say it's been around for what, 10 years, but it's settled in the last three, four, um, I would say, uh, probably since 2014, 15, when you, know, you and I probably in different different phases of our life started having this conversation internally with ourselves. <laughs> it's kind of it's kind of interesting, it's fascinating. But that's why I like the idea of something like tonight, right? Like I was saying off air, it's just like, I love the weird stuff, the what, you know, so when we play gigs, we do the bands and burlesque tonight. I was like, yeah, we'll play that. I was like, I could play any gig, but I'd rather play a gig where there's a burlesque dancer in between every <laughs> whatever it is. <laughs> so I kind of like the weird stuff, and I like the fact that, hey, let's go and play a whole album uh, in one go. I think it's brilliant. So and I'm, I can't frame that as a question, but I was just kind of thinking about what you were saying and digesting it and responding. Um, I guess my question would be, you know, when you've released your th- uh, these three albums, what the hell happens next? <laughs> Where do you see it going? <laughs> well, 
And you're absolutely right. And I think everything has to be prefaced with, you know, if you go like way, way back to like, you know, the 500s and the 600s, I mean, music started as sort of this, it was connected to religion, you know, and you had those, like, you couldn't play like a tritone or something like that, you know, like certain notes you had, everything had to be major and it was very limited. And then you had Gregorian chant and all that sort of stuff. And you know, then things progressed, and then the music industry for a long time, from like the the Middle Ages up until through the Renaissance. I mean, it was really the aristocracy funded this. You know, Beethoven or whomever. You know, it's like Bach. Like wealthy people made it possible for composers to survive. And where we see the shift is, like you said. I mean, then you had the sheet music and the piano roll, and then you had like, you know beginnings of jazz and big band and then world war ii happened and then you had you know kind of the rock and roll beginnings in the 50s and that was when you know the 50s and 60s after the beatles specifically you know that's when the modern music industry started and then you had mtv with the huge monoculture where you played a video even if it was at 11 o'clock at night and you know records just flew off the shelf and that's what i think we're the music industry is reckoning with is that whole however tens of billions of dollars they they were making at the height in like 98 and 99 that has gone away yeah oh, so yeah. you know and then you're having to contextualize that with modern life and the fact that at least in the united states wages haven't gone up since the 70s you know and then you know, people don't have any money. And then is the debate, well, are people not buying music because of streaming or is it because the major labels aren't putting out anything worth buying? I mean, how can Adele put out something and then all these people buy records because God forbid someone like actually with who can sing without pitch correction or autotune, like puts out a record with songs and, you know, and it, or, you know, whereas like, is anyone really bought buying the new Halsey record? No, not really. I mean, I, you know, I mean, you, is, Drake as big as the Beatles were. No, I mean, you, if you actually look at pure numbers, despite what Billboard wants to try and you know lie with their album equivalent units, BS. I mean, that's what it is. It's just so everyone can brag about having the number one record for a week, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Sony and Universal and you know and Warner just trade off, and it's kind of like okay, right. well, congratulations. <laughs> um, <laughs> but you know. <laughs> The, the, you know, and then you had this whole lie that was sold to everyone in the late 2000s of social media. You can reach all your fans. And then by like Mike, when you were, said you were starting in 2013 and then like for me, 2015, you know, by then the companies were beginning to consolidate and you realized, no, actually, you still need to pay a publicist like five thousand, ten thousand dollars if you want to cut through the noise. So in some ways, it's actually worse than before, because it's down to who has the most money or who has connections. So, you know, same boss, same boss, you know, worse than the old boss in a lot of ways, as the saying goes, you know, and that's fine. And, and, you know, I don't say that I have to, you know, really make this clear that it's not coming from a perspective of like, I'm angry. I think that's (laughs) really has stopped artists from speaking about this because it's like, Oh, well, if you were super, you know, if you had like, major label deal then you wouldn't be complaining about this and it's like no it's the same reason metallica tried to sue napster it's because yeah they saw what was what would happen which was you know we used this example i think the last time we spoke you know bleach sold what 
fifty copies Nirvana's Bleach. Yeah. yeah. I mean, even if you take that at ten dollars a copy, that's a lot of money. Yeah, well, yeah. You know, and what independent band like that's what's happened. Like now that music, no one buys records anymore. The independent labels and bands are making nothing com- compared to that. I mean, they're just not. And as a result, you know, the labels either close up or sell themselves to you know the majors and just become an imprint. Like right. almost all your in- favorite indie labels are actually imprints, guys. I mean, everyone needs to kind of look into who who actually owns a lot of those metal records, like Fearless Records, or they're all distributed by the majors. They're they're just kind of they have a few people who work for them and and but you know they're not this isn't sub pop or anything like yeah. that you know it this is a different era and you know what that has done unfortunately is i think it's made you know every few weeks you kind of read some article about some metal band or some rock band sorry guys we can't afford to like make less than like the dude at mcdonald's so like <laughs> we're done and and you wonder how many bands have kind of never been because of that and you know that has to be kind of something that people think about and talk about because otherwise you're just letting you know spotify stock go up however many dollars so back to your original question mike you know (laughs) using that as like my long-winded rambling you know preface as you know the starting point um after these this double album i don't know i kind of like I said, it's always been my goal to put out these three records, you know, that were connected in this double album as the third and final album. I think after that, I'm going to kind of reevaluate. I like to think that, you know, another aspect, I mean, is is that what you guys hear on the ill-advised records is a very small portion of what I actually can do. I, I'm purposely keeping it in that very rock industrial alternative kind of focus for there's a, a method to to madness. The, the madness so i you know i'm a classically trained musician from the time i was very very young five years old so you know i'm hoping to really expand after this double album into different styles of music that maybe are you know or that might be just a little more left field <laughs> So basically, just to clarify, you heard it here first. Ill Advised will be releasing a classical jazz funk record. <laughs> this trilogy. Fantastic. I'm looking forward to it already. You never know. Who knows? We play some tracks. Yeah. I'm excited. Just, just one more thing before we get the first track because I saw it and I was laughing, and I know, Mike, you saw it too because you replied to it. Now, uh, Harry, just before we get the first song of the brand new album this year, um, I just want to make mention of uh, your mother. I believe you're, I'm not sure if you're talking about this upcoming show on Facebook. Oh, did she? Yeah, well, because <laughs> well, what, what, what happened is I said, oh, I, said yeah. I, won't, I won't be able to make the listening party. And then uh, I, th- I think your mother put like, no, Harry's on the radio. And then she came back and said, well, duh. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, because because Mike says it's okay. It's gonna be on Spotify tomorrow. We saw it, and I man, Harry, I was dying laughing. That's amazing. (laughs) He's on the radio, yeah, duh. Yeah, exactly. My mom is like more popular than me. Like, I mean, so she has like so many Facebook friends. I mean, I think like every post she gets gets like 
300 freaking likes and stuff and i'm just like jesus like what do you know that i don't (laughs) all right so so that that was just a quick funny sidetrack and and, uh just uh one touch that real quick so we're gonna get to the very first song on the brand new ill-advised album this year this one is called a lily admits thorns dig this with a lily amidst thorns now this is a way to start off an album just very kind of easy and chill kind of the, the 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 flow of it, it just kind of that smooth kind of transition to to kind of like um get catch your ear and it's just 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 the kind of perfect tone to uh, perfect tone to set for an album because with the way i i in my ear well the way my ears picked up is the way that was arranged is it sets a tone that you can go pretty much in any direction you want with that on with the next song, just because it's just got that perfect uh, mixture of, of of not just not just like not not just like the, the bridge and and then beginning beginning of, of the chorus line. It just it just just moves so so smoothly in my eyes and like just really enjoying the, the lyrics, man. It just yeah, just, yeah, a uh, great start, man. <laughs> He's off. He's gonna. He's gonna. He's gonna break up in a minute. He's getting emotional. I can feel yeah, it. I can exactly. it. <laughs> um, mate, that's a great track. Sorry, I was a bit silent there just for a second because I've got a little delay because um, because of where the stream goes out. So I just really wanted to hear the end. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I was just like looking down. Going, Hang on, I wasn't really listening to you guys. Uh, mate, great track. What a fantastic opening. Uh, that is. Do you know, I wasn't sure what I was going to, because I haven't heard any of these tracks. I'll be completely upfront with everyone. I haven't heard anything apart from versions of the couple that you've sent us, obviously, before, but they might have. I don't know how different they'll be tonight. But um, So I wasn't sure where you were going to go in terms of starting this, but I was just like, ah, I wasn't expecting that. That was, like, quite chill. That was quite um, emotional. Raw. I love that. I've said this before, I'm sure, but I love the fact that you're, you do that thing where you sit on where your voice is about to break and almost could be a scream or a shout, but you keep it 
quiet but you do that really well you do that in a lot of the heavy songs as well as the quiet songs as well which is uh as someone you can't sing very very impressive uh <laughs> to hear but yeah man i absolutely I'm, i mean I'm, I'm really like up for this now i'm really excited having heard that i'm like where, okay what's next what's coming next where are we gonna go i'm, I'm excited about this this is cool and obviously you guys can see the big smile on my face no one else can but, but yeah that was cool man that was a great track oh, i guess the question on that is well, you know tell us what it's about where did that come from <laughs> well okay well i'll kind of up until this point i haven't I, I every time you guys ask well what's that about i always kind of go, ah, well you know <laughs> yeah, <simple> but, <laughs> but i mean i that favorite question i'll, I'll <laughs> kind of uh i'll get into it more than i usually we'll, we'll try something different um so yeah so a lily amidst thorns um you know obviously if there's a huge oh it's in you know in a way there's a nod to the first track off Melancholy with that kind of piano interlude. And when I sat down to write that on the piano, um, you know, it was probably like two in the morning or something like that. And, uh, you know, a lot of the songs I write, they come together pretty quick. It's usually, you know, starts with a melody kind of guitar chords or piano just messing around. And, you know, I mean, some of the lyrics in that song are kind of more, you know, some of my other stuff, like Misery, for example, off the first record, is kind of like a black humor sort of record. And I mean, my, it's, to people who have heard any of my stuff, it's no surprise, <clears throat> kind of error on the side of darkness as opposed to, you know, these really like upbeat, poppy, it's the, tonight's the night, as John Mulaney would say, and it's the best night, and we only have tonight, and that kind of like crap that just isn't me. Um, so, you know, there's, there's kind of a, that song is kind of in a way about defeat. I mean, if you listen to the lyrics, I mean, it's like you said, it's kind of a sweet melody, but you know, it, you know, it's kind of someone who's contemplating the worst and, you know, the losers win for a change, kind of a nod to Tom Petty, you know, even the losers get lucky sometimes sort of thing, which is, you know, uh, I kind of, you know, just little, lyrical kind of things that just percolate in your brain and and yeah so that's kind of like a someone who's trying to look for something to live for sign of kind of like that and uh you know the next track starless it goes into you kind of you kind of see the continuation of that but yeah it's kind of a a lot of my songs deal with those kind of dark isolated kind of emotions and uh yeah that's that's kind of where i was coming from with that one <laughs> right on well uh before we get into more uh songs here uh was there anything besides producing all the stuff yourself was there anything different you like uh, different approaches you took this time to making this album um yeah i mean i got into you'll see kind of uh the song glass mirror number five which is kind of the the first song on the second side of this lp uh, I used Ableton Live. I had like Push 2 and I kind of, I did that on Masochist too, where I kind of, Parkway was a very guitar based record where a lot of songs started on acoustic guitar or electric guitar. Right. Um, and I really, stuff like Fraud off Masochist was like just me using, you know, composing drum parts, uh, playing them on like a drum pad and then messing with them and kind of working with a very limited sort of tonal bass. I mean, you know, you, it kind of harps on a B for that, you know, you have that really low sub that's really 
hitting that and that kind of gives you more rain to kind of go in weird melodic directions so that record really broke me out of the traditional type of like first chorus first chorus kind right. of well this is the chord progression and i can kind of go in this direction it's kind of it kind of that's one cool thing about modern music is you have a lot of borderline atonal or kind of weird kind of progressions that occur because you're not working within like a piano uh so yeah. you know this was definitely more piano based this record i a lot of the songs were composed on piano okay. um so that that was a real difference so i think they're a lot more immediate like you kind of within five seconds you get in and then the chorus is hits you over the head by 30 seconds i mean that's kind of it just ended up that way it wasn't really a conscious effort um so that that that's really been the big difference i think this is more of a song-based record whereas masochist was a lit little more experimental well fair enough it makes sense so uh mike uh to pass my over to you again and then we'll get to the next song do you know what i i've got a couple of uh bigger questions but i'm i'm gonna i'm, I'm gonna wait i want to hear a couple more tracks and then i'm gonna okay. ask you so I, i'm gonna i'm gonna pass my opportunity to get it more into your head just for a minute because uh, i just want to hear maybe two more tracks and then just see if that helps frame my question <laughs> you're, you're you're the co-host you can't pass like what are you thinking <laughs> I'm the master of suspense Bainsey. you know what's his question what's he doing man that's it I'm, you know i wasn't expecting that no <laughs> <laughs> what kind of radio i'm asking a question yeah. this time you, 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 you are aware we are alive correct <laughs> oh i know yeah yeah don't don't worry mate don't worry after the next track i'm <laughs> <laughs> with an impromptu um, freestyle rap. <laughs> All right. right. Okay. So, if you think if you think this is going on one, <laughs> how, how do you call you on your bluff? Yeah. Right. Eh. Like... <laughs> <laughs> I will. Oh, we're, we're gonna we're gonna try to. Wait, wait, the thing is, it won't be freestyle. It'll be the one verse of the Beastie Boys that I can do. So. <laughs> yeah. no. Well, well, well. Moving on, we'll try to segue into the next song on the album. So we're going to get to Starless next. Here we go with a brand new ill-advised from his brand new album, Lizzie Diggas, Starless. For the stars to fall 
Right on. Ill-advised with Starless, his second track on his dual album, The Zeal, which is due out in about a month. Uh, this one, we heard a variation of it uh, before, but this is still uh, a great tune. I just love uh, the the emotion between uh, behind the vocals. Right? Like, I mean, you really kind of give people a great idea of what you're feeling, what you're thinking, without... Uh, Without even almost not even listening to the words, just because there's just the the the, the I'm trying to think of the best way to put it, but this the vocals really really blew me away with this one, and uh, I just love the kind of very it's got a very catchy flow, and and it's got a, got your 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 kind of like a lot of downs in it, but still like an awesome tune. Like I mean, lyrically that is so, but love it. Yeah, man, that one's a banger because that one's got that kind of. Hey, I'm a catchy tune, but if you really listen, I'm a serious tune. Yeah, thing. exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I like that because it's kind of like it draws in the person that doesn't normally listen to that. Like, oh, this is great, and they go, "Oh, this is deep," and I like that. You know what I mean? That's the cool. because that's, that's that's the little tricks you got to play now. You got to you got to be in there. Like you said earlier, you can't expect someone to sit and listen to a ten minute instrumental anymore, or a you know minute and a half introduction to an album. Because I've done that. So you bring them in, you go, "Hey, it's catchy. You will like it." And then they listen to it, and they go, "Oh." And I like that, you know what I mean? <laughs> That's cool. Was that intentional? Was that, a, is that a real, is that a thing? Or is it just, you know, come out of that when you wrote it? Um, yeah, I mean, I wrote that song when I was uh, playing some shows in New York City uh, for Masochists. Um, so that was like summer 2017. And no, I think I kind of, you know, like, I mean, with songs like Blessed and Insane and I kind of did the real like long bizarre like in interludes or like intros even like the last goodbye like the eight minute like crazy ending song on parkway so i think i kind of it wasn't like oh i'm gonna like write like max martin or something it was kind of like i'm just kind of tired of having to i don't know i was just bored i and i kind of just wanted to get to the point and it was like okay so that was kind of like this record was kind of like just get to the point you know mm -hmm. kind of trim some of the fat or you know, I just, I guess it's kind of like I just was in a different headspace. I just really wanted to focus on the song because that's what, as you know, above all else, I really being a songwriter and composer is kind of what, why I, it's why I wanted to start singing in the first place because, you know, to be able to convey that emotion. And yeah, so that's, that was the, that was just the natural kind of, you know, approach with that song. Yeah, cool. Cool. And I, I think there's merit, you know, I, personally, I love a 10 minute instrumental or, you know, For sure. <laughs> that's, that's kind of my thing. But I think there's, that's what, that's why I like the, um, the, the kind of, the, the, not the juxtaposition of both, because I don't mean like one after the other, but the, the, the differences between having the two different things in, in one place as in on an album or, you know, across a set of singles that you release or whatever. I, I like that. Um, ability to go hey this one's for you and you might like this and this one's for you but actually it's for everyone that's the point of music isn't it is it's for everyone you know we've been playing music for what 55,000 years since it's like banging on trees so it's for everyone it's innate within us and it's how do you open people up to that in today's world that's exciting and important uh, absolutely and it's you know I, I it's never calculated I'm never calculated I mean you know people have tried to get me to like co-write before and I'm like I that's just not like I could try and it would suck because like <laughs> everything I do I have to like feel it it's instinctual that's like one thing you know I mean when I was in 
because I went to college for music and I remember I had we had to take this songwriting class and the teacher was like like they're paying me to do this but like yeah you can't teach this I can maybe teach you some tricks but like but they're paying me so like whatever but he's Mm -hmm. like you can't really teach how to do this you either like you just kind of know and um you know that's kind of my thing is like you know I often I mean in my own life too you know people have sometimes been like well you know well why are you doing this you know it's like why don't you do something else and and it's kind of like well you don't get it like when you're an artist like there is no choice you know have a plan b is like there is no choice like you have to this just to like function as a human being so you know this is what i do all day every day and i have for years i mean you know it's like i said i've been doing this since i was five years old and then ever since parkway it's been like every single day you know get up work until five in the morning that's just like that's just every single day that's just what you do and it's not work because you love it so yeah i mean it's never calculated i mean but it's just i do what i feel and i can't work any other way which is why i guess sometimes i people would say i'm opinionated or i've been called you know kind of like oh i'm not going to be be harsh it's just like when you're when this is what you love and this is what you're here for you know you kind of just don't get how people view it as this kind of like algorithmic we're gonna like get ai to make some pop songs for (laughs) you know consumption kind of stuff which i don't get it but that's kind of where we're at don't don't you think um well, first, first of all, I I also can't co-write songs, but um, my reason, well, that's apart from with people in a band because it's a different sort of relationship. But I, people go, hey, can you just do this thing? Uh, but my thing is more that I can never work out what key it's in. That's just <laughs> <laughs> like no. <laughs> What's the tempo? I recorded it freestyle. I can't do that. <laughs> I can only do that live. Um, <clears throat> so yeah, that was that was one thing. Um, so one of the questions I was going to ask, I was just thinking about the, the, the future of the music industry or whatever you want to call it, but one question that I find really interesting is actually with things like AI, which you sort of mentioned in a throwaway, and I, I get why you said that, but with things like that, when you look at stuff in the workplace, like um, if you look at the way organisations are trying to get their training and they're trying to get AI to direct people to the things that are personalised training, if you look at the way organisations are... <clears throat> um, you know, big businesses are looking at various things with AI, where it's kind of like it's not necessarily everyone's like, oh, it's the Terminator, it's going to replace the worker, we're all going to die. But it's not actually, it's not yeah. the, the use cases at the moment, anyway. You know, it's <laughs> be 20, uh, the, the use cases at the moment tend to be to help people. So I do wonder, is there a place for that in songwriting and in the music industry? Not as in, hey, let's get all of our music to be released by someone that's literally doesn't exist, it's a computer that's written it, but is there a place to co-write with an AI in some way? Is that something that's exciting rather than, you know, it doesn't have to be mundane and generic and formulaic, it could be interesting, but how how do you see that? Well, that's a good question. Um, it, I mean, we're, we already see AI in terms of the technical process of music, where there's auto-tune, yeah or Lander, which is like a mastering service that uses an algorithm, or even Spotify and Apple Music, they have their loudness normalization, where they, you know, 
So you already see that in that realm, I can see it being very beneficial because, you know, ultimately in some people, you know, you have a lot of the Luddites who are very mad and, you know, about plugins and, you know, I mean, I'm this, my whole record was mixed in the box and it's awesome that you can do that now. Cause I wouldn't be able to afford $250,000 in output gear. Yeah, okay. Like I just, it's, you know, and a lot of plugin services are going to like subscription models monthly, which is like, it's great. It makes it accessible. And the whole point of technology when it comes to music in my mind is to allow you to remain creative rather than focus on like, Oh, I have to like, you know, worry about this, these parameters for this particular plugin, you know, you just don't, you want to be able to get to what you're trying to convey as quickly as possible. So you don't interrupt, you know, the flow of, you know, the creative process in terms of your question about songwriting. It depends on your perspective. I mean, if you have more of a Jack White perspective, which I would say I'm much more in terms of the creative process, like he doesn't do drugs. He doesn't do anything that would to him tamper with what kind of, you know, I mean, conduit. I mean, I, it's kind of, if you talk to a lot of songwriters, whether it's Bob Dylan, Tom Petty, you know, Prince, or, you know, even like Billy Corgan, who's kind of spoken about it, you know, and that's kind of another whole other question that this album kind of tackles that, you know, just as a tangent, it's like after masochist which was a sort of well nuclear annihilation kind of <laughs> metaphor and kind of became reality with the whole north korea thing yeah. it's kind of like after the end of the world where do you go from here and to me the only place to go was a spiritual sort of point like is there something more than this i mean russell brand has a great stand-up line you know just your cat doesn't know the inner internet exists but that doesn't mean it doesn't exist you know we all, just because we don't can't perceive through our senses certain things does not mean they don't exist. Maybe we just aren't conscious of it. We just don't have the ability. And when you write songs, you know, I at least I get the sense. I can only speak for myself that you're tapping into something that's bigger than just the materialistic kind of world we we live in, and certainly that people in the last few decades seem to have kind of prioritized over everything else. And I'm not trying to say religion or anything. I'm just, right. you know, if you're a creative person, you know, you're accessing something. And, um, so with AI, you know, I'd kind of, it's the same reason why, like for ill-advised at least, like I want to do as many things as I can myself because I want it to be the purest kind of, creation of me i want it to be even if it's and whether or not you think it could be better with someone else that's totally a valid argument you know i've played in bands before my many bands and ill-advised started as a band and when i was 15 years old you know in 2009 or whatever you know mm -hmm. so it's like you know i i'm aware of that format but i mean i like to kind of think of i don't know it's kind of maybe it's a romantic idea of someone who's kind of like the classic 60s rock kind of, you know, just someone who will not compromise, who has a vision and it's like, this is what it's going to be, hell or high water, you know, right. that's really what ill-advised is. I mean, I do the artwork, I do the websites, right. I do, you know, everything, you know, that's just like 
and I love it. I mean, I, I love to learn, and that's a big aspect. So I personally would not, and I would not interest me because I'd view it as getting in the way of the creative process. But you know, that's that's just my that's just my personal perspective. Yeah. Okay. That's, that, I, I really like that answer because it's kind of <clears throat> it also depends which way you look at it, doesn't it? Because you know. Right. Everyone remembers the paperclip in Word and how annoying that was because, hey, do you think you should do this? And it's like, you don't want someone going, hey, do you think that should be an AMI? And I said, like, oh, fuck off. <laughs> no, I don't. <laughs> but equally, I wonder if there's something, um, I don't know, we'll see where the technology is and how intelligent it becomes, but I wonder if there's something interesting in, in that. But it's just, yeah, I thought you were the right person to ask. Um, I'm really conscious that we've played like two tracks and okay, I've asked yeah. you loads of questions that require long answers. So we should probably yeah, crack on. So we're going to move on to track number three off the brand new album this year. This one's called Through This Divide. Ill advised. Dig this. <laughs>
Right on. That was ill-advised with through this divide, and man, it just more and more you can, you can tell the connection of Flo's songs, how they they link up and almost pick up where the last one left off. Because man, that was such a smooth transition. That was a great tune, and I just loved it for that reason alone. Besides the, the powerful vocals, man, that was an awesome tune. Really dig that one. Yeah, hundred percent. Like I was, <clears throat> I was just kind of saying off air, and I probably worded it better off air than anyone. Um, I, for me, like from the heart, genuinely, it's it's this balance of you know these are like it was the hand claps that made me think about it, right? Because you don't expect that sort of song to have hand claps in it, but, <laughs> it's that, um, but it works really well. But it's the there is a certain. I mean, obviously that's a that's a really easy go to, but there is a there is a certain accessibility. Um, to these tracks that's really interesting because there's also real depth behind them as well and I really really love that balance uh, and I can't remember how I phrased it just now off I'm sure it was slightly better but I just yeah. like the you know the, there is that you're, you're walking that line you know I sort of joked about it in the last one and oh this is really catchy oh my god it makes you think but it is you know it does does do that and I think that's a really important thing um, and I do believe music is about communicating and you have to communicate on you know the, the level of you know, the, the uh, not the lowest common denominator, but the, the, the most frequent denominator almost, you know, which is I suppose, the same thing, but you know what I mean? It's like, sure. when you talk about people, you can't use the term lowest common denominator, but you, you know, you've got to communicate on, on, a, on a mass level sometimes, but you've got to be able to, to weave in, I think, um, some meaning to, to really help people engage and get it. And, and you just, it, you know, I'm making it sound like it's all very hard. Oh, probably put this note in here to do this i'm sure it's not it's just from the heart and it's you know there's a bit of technical that goes into it because you work really hard on your music but ultimately it's it's how you perceive it and write a song that's important but yeah i'm <coughs> i am i'm uh, kind of riffing on this but i absolutely love it i love that balance that you've got i think it's fantastic thank you no um yeah it's 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 really i've i was really lucky in that my mom who's you know also a singer and a drummer and you know uh, she really played a lot of the music she played when I was a little kid you know it was so just very melodic whether it was like the moody blues or hall notes or prince or you know so I've always just had a love of melody and that's just where my ear gravitates towards so yeah like you said it's not like a calculated thing it's just like the notes I naturally fall into I just I want to hear that that hook you know and that's kind of like so everything I do, it's got to be like melodic. It's got to be something you can sing along to, and you know, I, I mean, that's just the type of music I love. Oh, so man, hey, just a quick little sidetrack here, uh, just because you mentioned the Moody Blues. First thing I thought of is I'm sure you'll think of this too. Was the Simpsons episode where Homer and Flanders go to Vegas? You know, they they want to leave the recovery record. Like, you know, oh my god, we, oh my god, the Moody Blues. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you know, can the rhymes is ass whooping time, so they take off and like horse freaks out, right? So I just, I just, so I just, as soon as I heard Moody Blues, I know I like them too, but that was the first thing that popped in my head was was as was Homer going, oh my god, the Moody Blues. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, I have nothing to add to that. It's just class. Yeah. Oh, 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 oh man. I, I do have something to add to The only thing I would add to that is, um, was it Lee the other week who did the best Homer Simpson impression? Oh, man, like, yeah. Uh, we had this, this guy called Lee from uh, The Fireflies on, and his Homer Simpson impression was just like, wow. Yeah, but literally <laughs> bang on. 
Not, not caused by it. I just say, uh, you know, he, I thought it was great. Oh no, yeah, no. I mean, I'm agreeing. On. I said it was bang on. Like, I mean, I, I, I've got, I, I, pretty... I, I saw a little tear roll down your cheek. Oh there. yeah, right. Oh, I, I know. Homer is a hard one to do, man. Like, but the, the easy one for me it is Peter Griffin, you know, because it just it's up for it comes naturally. It's like, oh come on, Brian, into that. Yes, he says here. <laughs> I love it. You know, I don't see it. It's like, oh, shut up, Meg. I can't do impressions. I can barely, barely you know, talk about you know, myself. Like, you, well, sorry, one more quick little sidetrack here. This this happens to do with Family Guy. So Mike, like I was saying off here, uh, come October, I'm going to be an uncle. So my sister's having having a girl. And we were t- she calls today to tell us the good news. So so Kim and I talked to her on FaceTime and says, you know, well, we weren't sure because, you know, there's pretty much points on the other side. We were seeing another boy. Then they opened it up and had a look and they actually looked at it again to make sure they were, they were seeing it right. They were having a girl, right? So, I mentioned after, I mentioned after, I was like, well, the first thing I thought of, and of course, my sister knows this too, was one of the first Family Guy episodes, where he's like, oh, I've been disappointed before, and then, congratulations, Mr. Griffin, it's a girl, can't, 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 can't take again? <laughs> and he's standing there with all this sports equipment. <laughs> so, you know, I mentioned the way, and, and she, she knew right away, she started quoting it with me, started laughing, so... Yeah, just I I can know those little sidetracks, but it's had to because uh, yeah, I'm gonna be an uncle come October. So, congratulations to your sister. You should ask her to call the baby Meg. Yeah, right. <laughs> Shut up, Meg. <laughs> just think it'd be fun. Okay. Oh yeah. But but uh, let's let's digress and get uh, back to music here. Um, we're gonna go to the next song. Uh, so the next one up, uh, we were. Uh, Harry, you gave this to us for the world premiere, and now this was the official first single, or is the official first single off the new album, correct? Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I don't even, I don't even know what it is now. It's like, but yeah, that was like going to be, and then I just decided, well, what's another two months? <laughs> oh, we're good. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, 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 Harry Potter's. <laughs> Well, while well, Harry ponders the response to that question, we'll play the song Wound. Dig this. I'll advise. <laughs>
Right on. That was ill-advised with Wound. And I know I said this almost probably much word for it. I'm going to guarantee the first time we heard the song. Man, can you say pretty fucking hate machine? That was amazing. That, that reminded me of so much of the, uh, pretty hate machine. Uh, specifically, kind of I want to. Harry, man, that is probably one of the best tunes on that on this album. Like, it just was one of my favorites. Not just because of that, but just like, there, there, there's such like a crazy mix of like, like so many different types of music, you, you you can't just spout them all out because there's too many. And just the way you feel it all fused together, it just this this one in particular, like I mean, I just really really like this one. Oh, I was on mute. That <laughs> I I'm I'm totally with you. I absolutely love this track. I think it's got a real um, mix of heavy and powerful and. Um, bit um i want to say jumpy but i don't mean jumpy i just you know it's got a beat it's got a rhythm it's got a groove i guess is what i'm kind of saying there and it just kind of smacks you in the face and goes hey i'm here now deal with it yeah. <laughs> I really like that you know that's that's uh, basically what i want from you this whole hour i mean what we're on track four now uh, out of eight i think uh, this is this is making me smile every 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 second that we um Every second we play. Um, my my question, my next question for you. This this was why I was like, ah, oh, let's let's wait two or three tracks and ask us kind of not not random, but you know, ask ask a question that might require um, some more listening to kind of uh, put it into context. But I was just thinking, like, if the three of us set up a record label, right? Right. And I don't and like. I took your point earlier because there's like a hundred thousand independent record labels that are actually all distributed by three major record labels. Um, <laughs> it doesn't really work. But if we truly set up our own thing, um, my question to you then is, in the context of the New England Advice album, but all, also in the context of the independent scenes you see it and hear it and, and what we see and hear and stuff like that, how would you approach that? What, what would you say you ran it and we just worked you with the minions? How, how would you drive that? How would you How would you work that? What would be a successful way of doing that? Forget money and profit and all that. What's actually the best way to do that? In terms of promoting this, releasing this particular album, or in terms of... I'm thinking wider. I think, yeah, so in terms of... Because you are releasing this album. You right. are almost acting as your own record label. But I'm thinking, right, like, let's, let's take this as a flagship for something bigger, where you then go, hey, I'm going to go and get some other bands. I'm going to do this as a proper thing. And we know we've got streaming. We know we've got a group of people that suddenly want to buy tapes again for some reason. We've got people that <laughs> want to do all this stuff in the middle. This kind of, you know, there's a whole range of stuff going on. Uh, there's a live scene. There's a whole You've got creative control over your own record label. And your mission is, or well, your, your um, statement to us is what you want to achieve and why. And then your vision is how you do that. What's, what's your pitch to the people? Well, um, question. <laughs> it, it's something I've thought about and it kind of, you know, recite the plan who was the one who obviously introduced me to you guys yeah. all those years ago. Um, you know, I kind of told him, I mean, my idea for this that I've had for a long time and, you know, the biggest, I'll, I'll put it this way. So for this particular record, I mean, it, and you want me to get into like the the business aspect of this? Then you like that you go. I don't want to bore people, you know. It's the heart, isn't it? So the the business bit is, you know, the, there's a part of it that's business, but right. it's, the, it's the it's the vision because you've got some cool ideas that 
and some and so when I say that I mean you know some of the stuff I read and some of the stuff I talk to you about I'm like I like your perspective and your thinking on this so I'm interested to go well let's say we fall I'm not saying we're gonna okay? <laughs> 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 it's a nightmare we live in three different countries but maybe we will watch but what I'm saying is like if we did that I just want to I feel like your vision is something that will give other people something to think about and this show is as valuable to musicians as it is to listen to music and I just want to get that I guess okay um all right so going back to what I said um that I speaking with recite the plan I've had this the biggest issue I mean we're okay so my vision my vision is first of all rock music has a serious problem and it has for years and the reason it's so irrelevant I hate to quote Adam Levine, but you know he said the way he <laughs> said it. How dare was, you? <laughs> <laughs> was incorrect. The problem is, you know, I mean, I don't know if you guys ever watched like the American Idiot on Broadway documentary, but you know, my mom, my mom interviews people for Broadway. That's what she does. She's a she's a journalist, so I've been lucky enough to meet a lot of these actors and singers and you know musicians. And the one thing, and Billy Joe Armstrong from Green Day articulated this in this uh, documentary many years ago, you know, people are, it's a community, first of all. Right. It's a community and people support each other. And he said, Billy Joe said, he's like, you know, rock, it was like, you'd go to a show and people would ignore you or people would talk crap about you behind your back. And, you know, that's a big problem rock has. Um, is that it's this very, you know, you see it even with the legacy acts. I mean, you know, it, there used to be a thing where rock artists would, you know, the older rock artists would bring up the younger bands and would give right. them a platform. And now you just see the quote unquote legacy artists who just want their piece of the pie and their goal is to keep everyone, you know, below them. Right. So you wonder why people aren't getting into rock music like they are with hip hop, where it's like people are always bringing up the newest rapper or the a young producer because it helps keep them modern, and it also you know they they want to be with creative people. Right. So rock music, first of all, has to get out of this me 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 mindset and mm -hmm. accept that times have changed, and that's not a bad thing. It doesn't mean you can't play guitar. It just means like I don't need Greta Van Fleet to like be a cover band of Led Zeppelin that doesn't right. actually play any of the Led Zeppelin songs. <laughs> it's just like, doesn't make sense to me. So my idea has always been, you know, to have a record label that I would start and I would use my money to fund a series of other artists who would then use part of, they own their masters and then they use part of their revenue. Part of the deal is they use that to fund younger artists so it's right. this pay it forward and then once you pay off whatever you're you're good you never give up your masters but this to try and try and foster this community this sense of community that you saw in independent music in the 80s you know right that sort of feeling so my to answer mike's question my you know if there was unlimited resources you know i'd really want lizia to be this multimedia project you know i mean i've always had a big vision when it comes to even parkway you know i mean one of the i suppose you know parkway was kind of and i still have a weird relationship with that record because you know that was still very much the rock band sort of format and it just it didn't work you know i i i, I that's why i'll advise is just me because i had i don't know how many incarnations of a band i put together over right. and over again and it just was like it 
it didn't pan out. You know, people just weren't willing to go the distance. So, you know, Parkway kind of had this big conceptual vision that I was never able to realize. So, you know, really, I'd, as far as the specifics as to what, you know, what am I trying to say with this record? I'm kind of trying to even wound, for an example. I mean, it's kind of like a, would you wake up like you're destroying yourself sort right. of mentality it's kind of like you know I, I want to bring if money were no object you know kind of music as Mike was saying that kind of like means something that you can sing along to but you know what I grew up on like even the 2000s I know some people don't think a lot of those bands were whether it was my chemical romance or the used or whatever but like I grew up on those bands and you know, they did try to say something within the context of what they, they were doing. And I don't know what's happened this decade where it's become this, like, escapist kind of mentality. Right. I mean, Les is meant to make, make you think. It's meant to kind of get back to that sort of artist who stood for something instead of we're, we're just interested in creating a brand, you know, yeah, the Bob where they can put out some a perfume product or something and or get a deal with coca-cola you know that's right. not the point you you wonder why music is isn't no one really cares anymore at least that's how it appears it's because the artists don't stand for anything they don't say and know anymore they don't you know what i would say to independent artists is like you don't have anything to gain by you know giving up anything by by caving you know by becoming like everyone else because there are 20 other bands who are willing to do, yes, sir, I'll do whatever you want to the record labels. Like, so if they don't want you for you, don't try and how many, you know, bands think they're like, don't even try and get signed to a label anymore. Do it yourself because this will, the major labels have not invested in any new artists in a decade. You, how long are they going to survive on their catalog? I mean, if you read Bob left sets, uh, newsletter, which I recommend anyone, any independent artist subscribe immediately. Um, you know, it's like they're 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 existing purely on catalogs that are you know 30 plus years old right i mean they don't they're not they should be signing the weird weird artists who have something to say you know and you know the problem is you know we're at a point where it's so difficult for people to survive in the modern world i mean you know we may have all these fancy gadgets right but you know compared to 40 years ago where you didn't, you just packed a suitcase and left and you got a guitar and you went on the road. Now it's like, you know, it's, it's difficult. And and we, I think people are starting to kind of realize that, but it's, it's not to say there's a conspiracy theory, but you know, artists are a threat and they're a threat to the labels because they don't want another prince who says, I'm going to write slave on my face and sue you. Right. You know, they, so let's get a bunch of pops, stars and trade them in every few years for a younger model get our producers because they'll do what we want and we'll write the same song over and over again i mean i'm frustrated with millennials too because like we listen to all the same music you you know everyone all the millennials are going to save i've i've not met a single millennial who i thought oh and i you know i want i wanted to i really want to find artists my age who have like this conviction and are willing to just persevere and make do it because you love it and you have to do it and i'm just not seeing it maybe i'm not seeing the right people i you know i, I don't know i mean but may I ask how old you are? <laughs> what's that may i ask how old you are 
Is that a rude question? I just turned 26, like, a few months ago. Oh, just turned 26. Dude. Okay, cool. Because <laughs> technically, and, and it is a technicality more than anything else, I think, uh, I fit into the millennial bracket. I'm 33. <clears throat> I'm, like, top end. But I'm... Yeah, I mean, you're similar in that we're born in... Um, so if you take the millennial uh, kind of person, uh, someone, you know, someone who's born from, what is it, 1984, 83 to 94, 90, depending on where you kind of look at it and who you believe, or sometimes it goes from 80 to later. Um, what's interesting is actually there's, there's a whole group right in the middle of that who we've seen video, cassette tape, CD, DVD, mini disc, MP3, streaming. Oh, please. <laughs> you know what I mean? We've, we've played, but not just seen, because my dad's seen all that, because he's older than me. But we've, we've been in that place where he's targeted at us, right? We've, we've, and it's interesting that we've, we've kind of been through this big <clears throat> shift, whereas <clears throat> my son, he's seven, you know, brains his niece when she's born in October. Yeah. He, you know, my son gets frustrated that my computer is not touchscreen. I know there are computers that are touchscreen. I just don't have one. <laughs> He's like, Why is this? What's going on? He's hitting the screen. I'm like, mate, that's, you know, that, that wasn't a thing. Um, it's like, but it's not. It's not a kind of. Oh, I feel old. I don't feel old at all because I feel like we've we've actually been on the front end of a really big shift and curve in technology and innovation that's taken us to hold. But we also have that respect for things that perhaps might get lost in the future. So, but um, that was a slight sidetrack because actually what I was going to say is what I love about your answer um, to what was, again, a very big question. Um, yeah. but the, what I love about the answer is actually it's that having an opinion and having something to talk about that people shy away from that I think is really important. You know, There was a thing I saw recently on one of the social media sites where someone was like, oh, I don't think musicians should write about politics. And I'm like, isn't that the point of musicians? Yeah. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> right? Are you supposed to just it doesn't matter which side of the fence you're on always it's just you know say something that has an opinion and creates a conversation for me that's that's really really important and i think there's definitely something there is a void of that there's not a void of that in the stuff that we we hear and play on this show necessarily but there is in the uh, in the sort of mainstream and again it's not actually to knock the mainstream as a thing it does what it does uh, it creates opportunities in some ways it has its its benefits and there is some good stuff out there as well all the stuff that's not so good but it's interesting there is less of a want to promote the people with opinions in the mainstream uh, than there are in the you know we don't care who we promote or what they believe <laughs> we the fact doing it. so that to me is interesting yeah it's um you know you're exactly right millennials you know remember what it was like before whereas like your son has no concept of before the internet or before smartphones or anything like that. You know, that's like, so that's the difference. We can kind of, millennials are kind of trapped in between, whereas Gen Z, I guess, is the next, yeah. you know, kind of, that's, yeah, I, you know, and, and ultimately, you know, I'm like, you know, I give props to anyone who's able to like have a career in music and does it like more power to you, but I'm getting kind of tired of, people equating pop stars with artists. Right. You know, there is a difference between the Beatles and Ariana Grande. I mean, <laughs> I'm, I'm, you can like Ariana Grande. That's, that's cool. But like enough of this, like false equivalency, you know, I mean, there's just a difference. It was like in the past, you know, there, even in the eighties, it was like, you know, the pop stars knew they were pop stars. Right. 
and the rock bands and the artists knew, you know, they were doing a different thing. And, you know, and Billy Corgan said the same stuff years ago, and now he's just, he's just given up like everyone else <laughs> at the party. So now it's up to, up to other people to carry that mantle of grouchy. Yeah. It's quite, sorry, no, it's quite funny when you see people like that who go off, because, like, you know, I love Neil Young. I respect Neil Young more than most people on the planet. Um, but even even now I see him in his, like, I mean, he's much older than Billy Corgan, but in his older age, I see him really going for something. It, it, it's environment, which is, you know, massive thing for everyone, um, and, for, you know, for me personally as well. But he goes for the environment. He goes for the... Um, you know, he created his own player, didn't he? Music player that could store loads so you didn't have to have it on MP3s. And he goes to these things, but I guess what's frustrating is he goes for them in a, in this kind of vitriolic way, whereas I, th- I feel like if you listen to his stuff from the 70s, it was a kind of, yeah, you're all wrong, but I don't care. Because yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I'm really angry about this. Like, the same, he comes out, he's like, I'm mad. Oh, shut up. It, you know, it's, it, you've got to get that kind of balance, haven't you? Because you don't right. want to... Switch, even switches me off and I'm really angry about loads of stuff it's something in that um, yeah. I, I, I'm opening up even more conversations and I feel like we could play another uh, track okay. or two so, so um, yes on moving on we're going to play uh, two songs back to back so we're going to start off uh, side two of Lazia, and the first one is called Glass Mirror Number 5, which Harry, you talked about briefly just a little bit earlier. So here we go with Ill-Advised and Glass Mirror Number 5. I was brand new on Lazia. Dig this.
We just heard two more brand new songs from Ill Advised off his brand new album, Lizzie, which comes out in about a month. We we heard uh, She Will Be Queen. And, uh, excuse me, so they were going to get the last mirror number five. So right now it's beginning with Side 2. 
So now the transition between both songs, uh, well, sorry, from one song to the next, uh, I, again, very smooth, but uh, it went from tripped out uh, for, for Glass Mirror number five into even more like, kind of like, wow, where is he going with this one? But like, you know, like, but a cool, in a, in a, in a cool, like good way. So not, not uh, that wasn't a slight whatsoever. Just like, man, I can't wait to see where he's going because it's smooth, but it's also got those certain bridges that kind of give you a, maybe not a false sense, but I'm not sure quite where you're going with it, but still kind of the, the anticipation is there, the build is there. I like the way you corrected your own phrasing there, because you almost made it sound like an insult, and it was right. supposed to be a compliment. <laughs> no, I didn't mean like that. Yeah, exactly. Okay. <laughs> I love it. Um, I, I must say, uh, before I let you respond to that, so for, for me, um, that uh, the last track there, so I, I really enjoyed the... Um, Ah, oh, shit, I'm so bad at, uh, uh, I'm just going to, it's got Glass Mirror number five, so I'm so bad at track names, it's unbelievable. <laughs> um, uh, um, that, that comes from listening to music in the car where you never see the track names. <laughs> so uh, Glass Mirror number five, but I agree, it was like, it had that really cool, fuzzy, kind of warbly bass line, uh, this um, brilliant kind of depth in the vocals, which, which I guess it, actually every track will you know kind of has but it was really trippy I, actually listening to she will be queen that was a real throwback to me from kind of masochists and even a little bit parkway in that i'm sure i've said before that some of your tracks are kind of like hey they you know james cameron or whoever's doing it should should kind of you know put this as a terminator um you know <laughs> track on, on the album for the next film whatever the next i've lost track of what's going on with that franchise but yeah it, it, you know what i mean it's that kind of like um distant dystopian it's kind of far enough ahead that it's like whoa that's a bit creepy but it's not I mean, it's not so far ahead that it's unrealistic and i really like that and it's i, I love the fact that you kind of i don't know if that's delivery you put that uh call back to the past and then brought it up to oh yeah but i've made it fit within what i'm doing now which i think is really cool um i guess the question is is that intentional or am i just like being really pretentious uh, <laughs> like, uh, uh, all, all that, that all that for that one question eh like yeah, <laughs> yeah. no uh yeah well like i said the last time i was on there are quote-unquote easter eggs in this album that purposely connect to parkway uh particularly I'll, i mean i'll give it away whatever i mean it's um the piano in glass mirror number five is playing the exact same piano phrase as uh in the last goodbye oh man yeah the just yeah, descending descending uh piano part is the exact so there are references to that okay. i kind of i kind of like what what the picture i was kind of trying to paint sonically was kind of the black mirror kind of tv show where you kind of have this like this kind of blend like in and then also kind of like a funhouse sort of mirror so you kind of have like this blend you have all these filtered vocals that i layered that are kind of peeking out and like there's some like religious overtones um the other thing that i don't know if anyone caught i'm actually singing french in wound in the bridge Um, the whole as you as i said before this you know I'm in, I'm related to Saint Teresa of Lisieux, which is like obviously a Catholic saint, uh, like on my grandmother's side, um, the Martins, and um, you know, playing with the idea of like is kind of what Masochist kind of touched on. There's a whole connection between that and this character on Masochist called Father Lunatic, which is kind of like this dude who's like obsessed with the idea of using pain 
to kind of achieve some sort of enlightenment right i a world where people seem more and more focused on escapism and numbing themselves um so but it kind of like picked up on stuff like blessed and insane on the last record where it's like are these visions are you know the they kind of like, you know, like he's talking to a burning bush. Was he just on like serious drugs or is he out of his mind? Or yeah. like, is this actually like, you know, some people take like ayahuasca and like have these like vis- visions and is like, are they actually like connecting to a different, you know, dimension or are they just like their brains doing some weird chemical process where they're like having this hallucination? So that's kind of what I've been playing with. But I, for this record and She Will Be Queen particularly, I actually went through because St. Therese wrote a lot of poetry and actually wrote some plays like about Joan of Arc and all this like weird stuff. So I went through these first, you know, like her diaries and stuff and translated the French. And I actually, because on Masochist, I used William Burroughs, which cut up technique, which Bowie used, where you kind of cut up thing you've written and rearrange it. So I was kind of doing the same thing with some of St. Therese's writings. So that bridge, um, I'm trying to think of, I fled the world, I turned my back and found a quiet resting place actually a line from one of her poems and then that triggered a whole other nice. the rest of it I wrote myself so it kind of just was like almost co-writing with her uh, bringing the co-writing up again um, so Black Mirror kind of to explain the connection is kind of like if it's that Black Mirror funhouse kind of distortion um, then She Will Be Queen is kind of the soundtrack to like a dystopian monarch who's like you know, you have, like, horns in there, you have a choir that I layered, a bunch of, like, marching percussion, timpani, stuff like that that just adds to the whole vibe, whether or not you hear it or not, in the track. And then you have, like, these almost, they sound like these, like, really, like, hardcore synths that are, like, um, over orchestral drums, and it sounds like this kind of, I was trying to get into this kind of weird, sort of, like, technocratic, like, you know, what could happen if AI takes over a sort of thing? Right. Yeah. Um, I like so, the fact that yeah. what would happen if you co-wrote with an AI to actually I co-wrote with a dead person. Like that's, <laughs> <laughs> it's quite a large gap there. I, that I, I, guess, <laughs> I guess the dead person. Yeah, I guess like who knows? I mean, maybe who knows? Maybe I don't know what you tap into when you write a song. <laughs> yes, that's a, that's a good point. Isn't that what's called it? Who knows? Who knows what you're going to channel and where it's going to come from? That's what's so beautiful about a song, oh, right? You all know? right. Sorry. The songs are... Sorry. No, it's... Sorry, go, go, go ahead, Mike. It's fine. No, 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 no. no. I, was, I was going to go off and you were going to go... Right. All I was going to say is what we're going to do is we're going to do the same thing again. We're going to play the last two songs back to back then go over them. Uh, this has been a lot of fun, uh, but we're going to wrap up at some point because we all know we can do this forever and go hours and hours. So what we're going to do is we're going to play the last two songs off Ill-Advised New Am Lisieux. And uh, guys, it's going to be a good finish. So uh, without further ado, let's get to the last two songs. So the first one up is called After All Is Said and Done. Dig this. Ill-Advised. You, what we've been through, you flesh away. There's no mistake, we can't escape. I can't see you, so please meet you. It's heresy in this anarchy, you're all I need.
Right on, guys. We just heard the last two songs on Lizia hashtag listening party, hashtag world premiere. We heard after all is said and done and end of the beginning. And Harry, man, what a finish to that album. That that was like the best like thirty minutes I've I've heard in a long, long time. Just 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 so like in, inspiring and, and just just still I'm not sure if it's even a, a it's meant to be positive, but obnoxiously creative. Like it just like, <clears throat> I just really got uh, fully involved and enveloped in this album. Like it just like really drug me in from the very beginning. And I just love this start to finish. Like it just, man, if, if anything, you nailed it. That is, that is a perfect end to a trilogy for Christ's sake. Well, that was amazing. I'm with Doc Spangs. I'm with Doc Spangs all the way on that. I was just saying like, we, you know, we're, we're having a bit of a chat and stuff um, over it as well. But I, I, I just love the fact that that started as this kind of dark, um, you know, underneath the bridge kind of, or you know, sort of some of the um, acoustic Alice in Chains kind of dark acoustic type stuff. And then there's a point where you're screaming at me through this little speaker next to me. I'm like, whoa, I better pay attention. <laughs> you're really hammering that home. And then it kind of stops. Well, actually, what you've got, I haven't said so far, is you've got a few times in the sound. You pretty much, I mean, there is sound, but you pretty much just stop. And there's a stop. And it's just, I love that. Um, I, I'm not sure if you've ever seen, I haven't seen the American version, so I don't know if it's any good, but <laughs> the British version of The Office has this incredibly uncomfortable and amazing silences. And you get into that bit, you know, but not in a comedy way, in a brilliantly musical way. But I, I just love all these little bits there in it. Um, mate, I've really, really enjoyed it. I'm really going to enjoy listening to it back to back properly, like, you know, obviously on my own without talking to anyone. <laughs> I'm going to enjoy yeah. that as well. Um, I think it's been absolutely fantastic. Uh, what's your What's your favourite track on it? You, know, you personally, what, what's the one that you love more than the others? Your favourite child? It's like choosing your favourite kid. Uh, <laughs> but, I love Bird. Uh, I love Lisa. Marge, beer right up you. <laughs> Sorry, sorry, go ahead. I just couldn't help that one. Go ahead, Harry, sorry. <laughs> my, my apologies, I'm trying to interrupt. My apologies, please go ahead. Um, <laughs> yeah, if I had to pick. Um, shoot, I, I really <laughs> like Wound. Um, I like She Will Be Queen. I think She Will Be Queen. I, I'm proud of that vocal performance. I, I'm into that. But, yeah, no, I'm, thank you for the kind words. Gosh, I'm, I'm like, ah. Uh, I'm glad I finally finished it. Oh my god, I was hoping I'm like I'll be like here ten years later, like Axl Rose, just like. <laughs> uh, but but thank you for letting me play it and for sharing it with everyone. And sorry we like talked for like two hours. Oh no, man, it's totally all cool, man. We always have a great time when you come on, and like thank you for the privilege uh, of of playing this album start to finish because, like Mike said. We only really knew three of the songs which we played on the show. The rest was a, a, a complete new surprise, which was awesome. And I did put up, I'm not sure, I'm the only one for now who put up hashtag first reaction to one of the songs I put up for Wound because like, it's my favorite song. But point being is like that I'll probably catch on because more people will be listening tomorrow as we'll be catching up a little bit later tonight. It depends on which time those time zone they are in. But uh Either way, Harry, man, you're, you you know, just like always, you're always uh, welcome back in the show. We always love having you on. It's always nice. I mean, from the time we you surprised Mike and 
you did two different birthday wishes for myself and Mike, plus you did our intro, and you're the start of the promo reel as well. So, uh, uh, yeah, obviously, <laughs> we, we, are, we, are, we are big ill-advised fans, that's for sure. We have to get him a little seat, won't we? If this ever becomes a... Um... You know, something that we can monetize and earn a living off of. We'll, we'll yeah, have kind yeah. of a, a, a board table of some sort. And you'll be wearing your best pinstripe slash ripped grunge look. And I can imagine I'll be there um, wearing a hat that doesn't suit me. And, and then we'll have like a seat there for Harry, <laughs> member of the board. Just comes in occasionally. And goes, hey guys, I've written a new intro. Or, hey guys, you know, <laughs> I've released. You know, but I love it. I absolutely love. Um, in all seriousness, uh, I don't even know where I was going with that. But I love yeah. the fact that because um, this is a proper takeover and a proper hijack, and I absolutely <laughs> love how well it worked. Like it's it's just been brilliant. And you know, frankly, it's a half an hour kind of half an hour ish. Uh, album we've, we've got a good two hours out of it of course we're having that conversation but you know we're not going to do that with everyone that releases anything that we love but i love the fact that we've been able to do it with you and it's been so successful it's been really really brilliant and um, we're going to share this everywhere it's going to go up in all the usual places uh, and we're going to uh which we just said off there we're going to do the uh ill-advised logo challenge this week where we'll be replicating the success of the last Lego challenge. Bonesy and I will be drawing the ill-advised Lego uh, on our respective whiteboards. Uh, please do vote for mine if you take the voting thing. <laughs> um, but no, it, yeah, it's, it's going to be cool. But I just, um, that's a very long way of saying thank you very much because I, I love the weird and wonderful. And this is a weird and wonderful way of doing this first part of the show. And I think it's brilliant. It's really worked. <laughs> I really enjoyed it. Great album. Thank you to you guys for the opportunity, and it's always a pleasure and just fantastic speaking with both of you and, and talking and going down various rabbit holes, which yeah. hopefully your listeners will find interesting and not like, oh no. <laughs> so my apologies in advance, guys. <laughs> all, all good, buddy. If they don't like it, they can just listen to part two. Oh yeah. No, it's fine, man. It's, it's all good. So um, we are going to finish up here for part one, and uh, just because... Uh, I heard him laughing in the beginning because I know Harry uh, knows this as well. So we're going to say goodbye for part one. So this has been Dr. Bones and Mike Five saying rock on. We loved having you for part one of Music Saturday. And a big thank you to Harry, from Ill, who is ill-advised, for letting us play the brand new album, Lazio, uh, start to finish. And then uh, we are going to let uh, a Mr. Krieger from Archer take us out for the uh, for the finish of the show. So goodbye, everybody, and thank you so much. We'll be back for part two in about five, ten minutes. Until then, bones out. Thank you so much. Ah! 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 Woo! Shrinky-ding that! Krieger out! Unboxing fanatics, it's finally here. The brand new Samsung Galaxy S10 with a screen that wraps from edge to edge. At Tesco Mobile, it's yours for the low monthly price of $39.99 with no additional upfront costs. And it comes with a generous 5 gigs of data. So go in store or online now. Tesco Mobile. Every little helps. 36-month credit agreement, 24-month usage agreement with Tesco Mobile Limited. Subject to status, phase, policy apply. See tescomobile.com slash terms. The heroes are gathering. Iron Man, Captain America, Black Widow, Thor, Hulk, Hawkeye, Captain Marvel, and Barry from Northampton. Fill up with 30 pounds of Shell V-Power and feel heroic. 
You could win an awesome Dubai holiday plus other prizes every day with Marvel Studios' Avengers Endgame in cinemas April 25th. Pull in to win with Britain's number one selling performance fuel. Conditions apply. Participating sites see shell.co.uk slash win.